Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Verse 13, and it shall be if you earnestly obey my commandments which I command you today, to love the Lord your God. I want you to circle the word if there. And it shall be that if. Circle that word. Because in the next few verses, we're going to see these if-then statements. And these are really important to know. So if, circle it. You earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. Circle this. Then. Circle then. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season the early rain, and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. Notice the physical blessings of Israel's obedience. If they were obedient, God would bless them in very tangible, physical ways. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Bible Study for today. We continue on in the last part of chapter 11 in the book of Deuteronomy. Pastor Rob reviews some of God's promises as they apply to the nation of Israel and to us. As we learn today, some of those promises are conditional and based on what we do and how we act in order for God to bless us. Other promises God has given us are unconditional and belong to us in spite of ourselves. Here's Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Their wives, their sons, and their little children. Notice. You remember Achan in Judges? Or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Joshua chapter 7? Remember Achan when he stole the, the bar of gold or the, and the Babylonian garment? And what happened? His whole family perished as a result of that man's sin. And it was God's grace. God wasn't even going to let those little ones continue in the rebellion of, of, of what they saw their parents do. I believe when they died, they went to heaven, those kids. That's my own conviction. But Achan, not so sure about that. But notice, with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, in other words, if they just die of old age, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord creates a new thing, if he's doing what he's doing right now, and he's put me as a leader over this people, he's saying, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to him, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the grounds split apart underneath them. This is... An incredible, incredible scene. Everyone is backed away from them. There they are together, all those who have rebelled, and the ground opens up underneath them. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and all their households, and all the men with Korah, with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. 
and the earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. And then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. They were so shaken by this. And wouldn't you be shaken? Is it easy to see somebody perish like this? And you may think to yourself, well, God is just a mean, cruel God. How could he do such a horrible thing? Well, God is a holy God. And God won't stand for rebellion. And he's teaching them a lesson. And the lesson is for everyone else to see. You know, that's why we are to walk circumspectly. Because everywhere we go, everything we do, people are watching. And the things that we do, people are watching. And how great will our ambassadorship be? Will we be an ambassador who encourages people to godliness, to good things, to good things, to say right things, to have right hearts? Or are we going to be the opposite? What kind of witness are you at the workplace? What kind of a witness are you at the home when you come home from work? It's been said that some of the, the greatest preachers in the world were some of the most dynamic men, and yet they went home and they were terrors to their family. <laughs> they were terrors. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. And, you know, the thing is, is the reason I brought this up is because these men forgot that it wasn't Moses and Aaron who set themselves up. They weren't the ones who said, we are the most attractive. We are the tallest. We've got the most money. We have the best speaking ability. We have the best vocabulary. We have the best pedigrees. We have the best college degrees. We all came from Harvard and Oxford and Princeton and Yale. We've come from the Ivy League. We're beautiful. We're wealthy, well-spoken, well-respected. No, none of that. God chose them, and that was it. God sometimes chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. There'll be no boasting then. But there will always be challenges to authority, and we see it in that in number 16, what we just read, and there will always be challenges to authority. In every facet of our society, we see it. There is always someone who thinks they deserve to be the head and not the tail, and that their opinion is better, and that they could do a better job. And you know what? Sometimes they can. Sometimes they could do a better job. Sometimes they might be able to get to the end in a better way. But the ends never justify the means. That's something that we must always remember. The ends never justify the means. God is interested in the process and in the person that he wants to use to do whatever it is. Somebody else could do it better. Somebody else could do it uh, more flamboyantly. (laughs) Somebody could do it, but God is not more, he's not concerned about any of that. He would much rather use the person that he has chosen to do it. He gets the glory, and the vessel doesn't boast in it because they know they're nothing. But you get somebody who's got a Princeton degree. And I've got nothing against degree. I've got a degree myself. But I don't hold anything to that. There's nothing that that degree gave to me. All that degree did was get me up here. <laughs> I'm not kidding. My degree got me up to the Eastman School of Music where God was going to do something in me. I had no clue at the time. had no idea what he was doing. It was all bait to get me up here. <laughs> And there is nothing the devil hates more than a person, a man, a woman whom God has chosen. The devil hates it. The devil hates it, and so will everybody else around you, and there will always be challenges to your authority. Verse 8, he says, Therefore you shall keep every commandment which I command you today, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess. 
and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers. These were promises that God had given to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to others after them, to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land which you go to possess, he's saying to them, the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt where which you have come from, because there you sowed your seed and you watered it by foot. It was like a vegetable garden. Easy to do. But the land which you go over to possess, verse 11, is a land of hills and valleys, very different topographically, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year, you know, God loves his land. And you know, it's a small piece of land. But he says that land is mine. I mean, actually, the whole earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Isn't that what Psalm 24 tells us? But God says, all I really want is this part. And yet, that is the most disputed piece of real estate in the entire universe. If you try, (laughs) if Benjamin Netanyahu was to go tomorrow and put on his shoulders a cornerstone for the next temple and walk up on the, on, the, on, the, on the temple mount tomorrow, if he was to do this, we would have such a war, it would be a bloodbath because of the dispute of this little piece of land that God says, that's mine. And the devil says, no, it's not. <laughs> God says, oh, yes, it is. And I'm going to build my house on this. Oh, no, you're not. I'm going to see to it. Oh, really? Okay. Time will tell. (laughs) And guess what? What an unfair advantage God has. He knows all things. The devil is not omniscient. The devil is not omnipresent. But guess who is omniscient and who is omnipresent? Almighty God. Nothing can get past him. Try playing chess with the one who created the chess pieces. Foolish errand. A fool's errand. In Psalm 121, it says this, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. God, his eyes are always upon it. In Psalm 127, it says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow. So, For so he gives his beloved sleep. God always keeps his eye on it. In Isaiah chapter 27, he says, In that day, sing to her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, keep it. I water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I keep it day and night. I keep it night and day. He cares for his land. He cares for his people. And guess what? The Jews are his people, but you are a people too. We are the church, made of Jew and Gentile, grafted in the wild vine. Of, or We are the wild vine. The true vine is, the, is Israel. And we are grafted into this beautiful thing, made up of Jew and Gentile alike. Verse 13, and it shall be if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God. I want you to circle the word if there. And it shall be that if, circle that word, because in the next few verses, we're going to see these if-then statements, and these are really important to know. So if, circle it, you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, circle this, then, Circle then. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. Notice the physical blessings of 
Israel's obedience. If they were obedient, God would bless them in very tangible, physical ways. Rest from their enemies, a fruitfulness of their bodies, a fruitfulness of their land. These were all physical blessings based on their obedience to what God had told them. But notice this, these if-then statements. Go in verse 22. Look at verse 22 in your Bibles. For if you carefully keep all these commandments. Circle the word if. And then in verse 23, it starts with the word then. Circle that there again because we're going to get there. And these are called conditional promises. They're conditions because they're conditional upon the, 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 the things that are to be obedient to. If the children of Israel do this, then God will do something else. The condition is given upon obedience. And we're going to see that because look at what, what it says right here in verse... Um, we already read it. And if, and it shall be if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today to love the Lord your God, to serve him with all your heart, with all your soul, then, verse 14, then I will give you the rain in its season, the early and the latter rain, that you may gather grain, your new wine and your oil. These things that were necessary, they're like staples of their, of their life, of their food, of their, of their cupboards, of their kitchen, like milk is to us and bread, water, you know, oil and wine and grain. Conditional promises. And yet God also gives uh, unconditional promises. I like these even better because it requires nothing on my behalf. In fact, uh, just a couple of examples. In Genesis chapter 12, notice what he said to Abraham, Abram at the time. And Abram didn't do anything to deserve this, what God is going to tell him. God's going to tell him, this is what I'm going to do, Abram. I'm not going to tell you Leave your land, and if you, only if you leave your land right now, only if you leave right now, only if you're a good boy, only if you do the right things, only if you're not angry, then. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Notice what he says. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, your family, from your family and from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you of you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Does that sound like a conditional statement? No, it's not a conditional statement. It's an unconditional. There's no conditions there. God says, this is what I'm going to do, Abraham. You just got to step out. It's not even really a condition. I'm going to do it. going to do it. In verse 15 of Genesis, it said this too. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give to me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. This, this one who was born, not, not from my own loins, he's going to be my heir. How can me and Sarah have any offspring? We're too old. Long in the tooth. Very long in the tooth. <laughs> and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, Now look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Did Abraham do anything to deserve that? He would die and not even see the realization of that promise. And yet God said, I'm going to do it. No conditions. This is what I'm going to do. I love that. It doesn't require me to do anything. God says, I'm going to do this. Do it. <laughs> 
Did he say to Mary when, when, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary, did he, say, did he say to her, you know, Mary, you've done some bad things in your life. You know, you disobeyed your mom. But, you know, in the next two months, if you're really good, you're going to be the bearer of the Messiah, the dream of every Jewish girl. Did he say that? No. He said to her, this is what I'm going to do, and it's done. <laughs> what? And then what, what was her response? What we call the Magnificat. I will magnify the Lord. Lord, I magnify your name. Do unto your handmaids so as you have said. Right? That's what she said. She didn't have to do anything. She just had to show up. <laughs> and it says in verse 15, and, and I will send grass in your fields for your livestock. Notice the physical blessing for obedience, that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, verse 16, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you, and he shut up the heavens so that, it be, that, so that there be no rain, and the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord has given you. Notice their obedience. You know, if you're obedient, then I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the rain for your crops. But if you start going in, in, in different areas and you start rebelling against me and serving other gods, what's going to happen? I'm going to withhold the water from heaven. That's my sign to you that you better get your act together. You'd better consider the things that you're doing. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You know, and the Jews today, they wear the phylacteries, you know, the physical box on their head with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 on them. You know, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall worship the Lord your God and love him with all your heart and soul and strength. That's on their forehead in a little box, a little thing written, and they'll put them on their, the phylacteries on their arms, and they'll unwrap it, and they'll wrap it again, and... And I see them do this when we go to Israel on the plane. The, when we're somewhere over the Atlantic and we're getting close to Tel Aviv, when the sun starts to come up, all the uh, Orthodox Jews, it's really a cool thing to see, actually. And they love for you to watch them. Uh, God would love them, you know, but, it's, it's, you know, but they'll sit there and they'll make sure they, they got this whole thing set out and everything's very, you know, you know, and they wrap it around and they take their time. See if anybody's looking, and then they'll put the little thing on their head, and they'll look around, and, you know, it's a big to-do. And uh, you watch them, and it's, it's really interesting. But God is saying, the things of your hands, the things in your mind, let those things get into your mind. God doesn't really, doesn't really care about whether you put the things on your arms and stick the thing between your forehead that you'd stare at it and go cross-eyed. And he's not so much concerned, but the idea is symbolic. Let it get into your heart and your mind and let it affect the things that you do with your hands and your feet. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them like the days of the heavens above the earth. For here it is again, if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to hold fast to him. Notice then, underline that or circle that, then... If you do these things, then the Lord will drive out these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Greater nations. You remember when uh, the, the two spies went into um, Jericho, what did Rahab say to them? You know, she said to them, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. There remained no more courage in us. 
That's what happened. They had a, they, they, these nations that were mighty, they, they, they found out about this. They heard of the rumor. And every place on which, verse 24, of your soul tread shall be yours. From the wilderness of Lebanon, from the great river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. And no man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon every, upon all the land where you tread, just as he said to you. And you know, today there are so many enemies of Israel, and they're afraid of Israel. Today Israel has one of the most formidable armies on the planet Earth, and yet they're the smallest country, and yet they are the most formidable. They've got the most firepower. Let me tell you something. If, if, the, the Arab nation, during the 67 and the 73 war, they got their taste of, of what Israel can do. And it's not even so much their military might, it's the psychological warfare that God gives them the wisdom to, port, to, to, to lay on their enemies. You look at some of the things they did in the Golan Heights with one little tank popping up over the top and going over and popping up over here. He was the only guy. And the Syrians were amassed over on the other side, and all they see is all this smoke because this tank is just cruising back and forth and stirring up all the dust, and tanks are popping up over here. He's driving over here, popping up. He's one guy. Everybody else is gone. He, you know. And yet the Lord did a great victory for them. He says, Behold, behold I set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, here it is, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments. This is kind of like an if-then statement, kind of in reverse order, but the idea is still the same. If you do this, then I will do this. So verse 27, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the command of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you to go after other gods which you have not known. And now it shall be, when the Lord your God has brought you into the land which you go to possess, that you shall put the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not there on the other side of the Jordan, on the west side of the Jordan River, toward the setting of the sun, right? Because the sun sets in the west, rises in the east, sets in the west. These two mountains are over there. In the land of the Canaanites who dwell on the plain opposite Gilgal, beneath the terebinth trees of Moray, Verse 31, for you will cross over the Jordan and you will go in and possess the land which the Lord your God has given you and you will possess it and dwell in it and you shall be careful to observe all the statutes and the judgments which I set before you today. And so God is saying the blessings and the cursings. And if you want to read something really interesting, read um, in this chapter or in this book, Deuteronomy, go to chapter 27 and 28 tomorrow morning or tonight and just read all the blessings and all the cursings. And they would get all these men on one side of the hill, on Mount Gerizim, uh, and then on Mount Ebal, and there'd be a valley in between these two mountains. And I have a picture of it. I just didn't put it up, but there's this valley, and they would um, be up here, one pronouncing the blessings over, and it was like a natural amphitheater. And then over here, they would give the curses, and they would share, that if, if you don't do these things, this is what's going to happen to you. And why does God go through all this detail? of rehearsing this history before them, and then having them rehearse back and forth the blessings and the cursings if you obey, if you obey and if you don't obey. Because he knows the heart. He knows the heart of man. And you know, we're going to take communion tonight, and we'll just do it quickly. But you know what? Think of the curse that was on us because of sin. And Jesus took that curse upon himself as he hung on the cross. The Bible says that he became it for us. And his soul was an atonement for our sin. 
And that's really what the table is all about. It's just a, a way to remember what Jesus has done for us, his broken body, his blood that was spilled. And as you take it tonight, and as we uh, sing this uh, next song of worship, uh, we'll hand out communion to you. And just hold it, and then at the end, we'll take it together. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.